coming up. What an excellent day for Captain Howdy! Well, howdy, folks, and welcome to Minute 23 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist minute by terrifying minute. My name is Lester Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. All right, so our minute begins with Reagan holding up a bird that she made for Chris. And it ends with Chris saying... Captain who? Who indeed. But before we learn about our mysterious captain, let's talk about this awesome basement that we get to see now that we're back in Washington with the McNeils. Keenan, did you ever have like a basement growing up? You know, we never did. I, 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 uh, we just sort of played in our rooms and played in the living room. I don't know. And in Hawaii, I don't know if there's a lot of basements. And then, of course, in Las Vegas, you can't dig a basement. No, you can't. Because <laughs> um, the, the, the sand, if you don't know, the, we don't have soil in Las Vegas. We have clay. No, we so don't have weather. We really, don't have. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you can't really dig a basement in Las Vegas. It would be very, very expensive um, yeah. because it's, it's very difficult uh, to till uh, this clay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I vaguely remember there being a basement in one of our old uh, Chicago homes when I was growing up. Um, but I would have been like two or three, so I don't remember much. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up pretty much entirely in the family home in Las Vegas. That's the one that you are going to be coming over for Thanksgiving dinner, just to yeah. sort of um, reveal when this episode is being <laughs> recorded. Um, we're still in mid-November, stockpiling episodes, and hope that we can start uh, releasing more per week once we get a good backlog. Uh, but yeah, so that house didn't have a basement, um, didn't have an attic, uh, which is like two things that I would have loved to have. Um, <laughs> and this McNeil rental house has both has both right (laughs) nice spooky basement and nice spooky attic right attic's a little bit more spooky um but we did have so talking about uh talking about my family home we did have and now that i think about it is sort of unusual our situation we did have a garage and our garage was pretty big and we didn't keep the cars in there they were out in the driveway um just like you see like you know you're walking in the suburbs and you see cars parked out in the driveway so we sort of used the garage as our like basement and it had all the things that a basement had we we used it we used it for storage we had like a little cubby hole off to the side with a washer and dryer um it was like a tool shed slash toy storage area uh at one point i was on a mad scientist kick and it was my secret lab um and then it became an extra bedroom and then uh, a weight room later on. Um, it was a really cool little area of the house uh, as a kid. And it did have a very like basementy vibe. Um, so much so that I remember it being kind of spooky at times. Um, I have a very, very clear memory of going in there with the lights off. And Keenan, do you remember those scary stories to tell in the dark books um, with the creepy illustrations? Well, I remember the um, I remember the covers of them because I was too scared to ever read them. Oh, <laughs> so I definitely remember the covers looking back at me and me going, "I don't even want to see those in the library, <laughs> let alone open them up." <laughs> oh my God, folks! Scary stories to tell in the dark. I'm I'm sure our listeners know exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. Um, by Alvin Schwartz with those terrifying uh, illustrations by Stephen Gamel Gamel. You want to talk scary. You think The Exorcist <laughs> is scary. If you were a kid in the late 80s, late 90s, or early 90s, and you somehow got your hands on these books, God help you. Um, 
I, I don't remember the stories. I cannot speak to the the writing style, the author's use of allegory, uh, but I remember those illustrations. And listeners, I'm sure you do too. I do too. Yes. Oh yes, yes. They are they are burned into our memories. And I remember I remember the titles also because for some reason I got it into my head. This is psychology of Lester. Um, I got it into my head that the best way to protect myself, I guess, to like uh, inoculate myself of all the like creepy images in the books, was to go into our garage with the lights off door closed, lights off, total darkness, and recite the titles of the stories that scared me the most, or at least the, the, that had the pictures that scared me the most. Because let's be real, it was the pictures that tricked us into reading was those damn pictures, right? Like the, the, we didn't want to read, but then we see the pictures and then we, like, we end up reading, right? Um, but yeah, I would just stand there in the darkness and I would say to myself, the Haunted House, The Big Toe, Aaron Kelly's Bones, Me Tai Dodi Walker, which I still don't know what that means, but I remember the picture of the old man's severed head that falls into the house through the chimney. And yeah, I would just say those titles until they sort of like lost all their power and they were just words. And that was more of me just like, you know, I, like I'm wearing the Dracula cape, I'm wearing the witch hat, I'm watching scary movies, I'm, I'm saying the titles of these stories out loud. And by doing that, I could sort of like, drag it kicking and screaming from out of the world of imagination where it could hurt me and into the real world like there these are just stupid words um and that's yeah. it well we didn't so we didn't have a basement or, or an attic or any place we can go so i suppose that might be why um i have scary memories of just my my own bedroom oh <laughs> And I didn't sleep in my own. I was talking to my parents about this the other day. I didn't sleep in my bedroom for, gosh, like seven years, some, <sighs> some large amount of time. We each, my parents, you know, came up to the mainland from Hawaii. They'd saved up all this money and left their family behind to give us a house where we each had our own room. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. for like seven years, I slept in the living room. And I never told them why, uh, because I had a nightmare about a ghost coming out of my, my bookshelf, out of the encyclopedia. And uh, I just never told them why. And I, I was talking to them recently. I was like, do you remember how I used to sleep in the living room forever? And my my dad did not remember. <laughs> and my mom, my mom was like, yeah, and I, I said, that, I, that was really nice of you to let me do that. I think I would have been too frustrated as a parent. I would have been like, what the hell are you doing out here? We, you know, we've made all these sacrifices for you. Get the hell back in there. <laughs> but I was I was too scared to sleep in my own room. Yeah. Keenan, oh, my God. Me too. Oh no! <laughs> oh, it's like, oh my god! Is this like? Does everybody do this? Is this a thing? <laughs> oh, but as soon as you started telling the story, Keenan, yeah, like, like we, like, all, like all, all, all the Clark boys, like we would, we would, uh, like take our mattresses, or we would have like, like camping out mattresses, and we would, like, we would drag them into the living room, oh, like, sp- like specifically, in, uh, like on the weekends, like uh-huh. it was like a treat for us, like we get to sleep downstairs, right? And you know, we have the TV on, and mm-hmm. you know like eating snacks and stuff like that but that was a thing and it was like because the living room was just like more comfortable it was like it was safer it was like because you played downstairs right Right. you you played the nintendo you watched tv you you know you ate dinner you know in in the downstairs in the upstairs area was like like who 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 the hell knows what goes on in 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 the upstairs area right um (laughs) oh my god that's that's so wild that you and me both had that experience wow wow I remember, I remember my parents specifically trying to bribe me because it was a big problem. It's like, you need to sleep in your own. Um, (laughs) And they would, they like to the point where it's like, you're not watching Beetlejuice again, are you? Like, you know that you're not going to be able to sleep in your own room if you watch Beetlejuice again. I was like, oh no, it's fine. I want to watch Beetlejuice. And then sure enough, right? Like, like 
at, like like clockwork. Uh, I'd be like, oh, mom, you know, uh, Barbara and Adam, they're they're dead. They're like, you know, it's like, <laughs> yes, yeah, that's the premise of the movie, Lester. That's the- <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, and so I remember my parents bribing me specifically with, and how weird is this, Ghostbusters toys, <laughs> but not. The Ghostbusters themselves, the ghosts. Oh, like I had a Universal. Like th- there was there was a period of time when like the the action figures came out, and you'd have like this rogues gallery of uh, 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 things that the Ghostbusters would fight. Right, and I specifically remember Mom buying Dracula and the Wolfman, and being like, "You will get these if you can sleep in your room tonight." And um. Spoiler alert, uh, Keenan, I could not sleep in my room that <laughs> night, but I still got the toys. Oh, that's yeah. very nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, anyways, we never had a spot like Reagan McNeil gets in her no. rental house to play that down there just converted into a whole playroom for her. Yeah, right. Like this this is such an awesome little basement, right? <laughs> um, and we start out in a little corner of the basement. This is mm-hmm. like very specifically, this is like Reagan's personal artistic corner. Um, the rest of the basement is sort of like normal, but this part seems to be like her little workshop where she makes things. Yeah. I like that. It, you know, the first glimpse we get of this is this is very gray background. Mm-hmm. And then she has brought these very poppy colors, right? This bright orange and this bright green um, clay paint. And then she, she holds up this weird bird and it, it's incredibly bright. And yeah, it, it feels like a space where a child has turned it into, um, you know, turned a grown up space into a child space, which is, I think, the fun of the basement or the attic place. Yes, yes, right? Because, I mean, like when you're older, right? Like a basement or an attic, right? It holds no more mystery. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, right? I mean, I'm sure like, you know, I go into my garage now, right? In the family home and I'm like, oh, I remember this place used to be like spooky and cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and okay, getting back to, to Reagan's uh, space here, we see some stuff on the wall behind her. Lots of pictures of birds and other animals and some other drawings as well. And what I really like is that if you look closely, you can sort of make out some of these animals have a sinister look to them. Mm -hmm. Um, My absolute favorite. And uh, this is one that must have stuck out to me when I was younger and I was trying to find find, like meaning in everything. Like when we saw the witch in uh, the Halloween witch earlier. And actually, there is a witch uh, back here in this little corner as well, sort of hanging over uh, behind Reagan as she sits and she works at the table, right? It's this iconic scene from Hansel and Gretel when the kids first meet the witch. But my absolute favorite, favorite is also right behind her on the other wall, very prominent, is Little Red Riding Hood and the wolf. And the wolf is already dressed in grandmother's clothes. (laughs) And I remember thinking even back then, it's like, oh, oh, that's she's little red riding hood and the demon is already here and it's hiding in plain sight right like much like the wolf is in disguise the presence of the demon is hiding in these like seemingly innocent pictures right and i was trying to think you know like oftentimes students raise their hand in my class when we're when we're analyzing a movie and they kind of apologize for doing analysis oh, much <laughs> like say, me oh yeah, yeah exactly they say i don't know if i'm reading too much into this right they say <laughs> no you you can't read too much into this you know like, at least let's try to overthink things and not try to underthink things you know so right. trying to put them together um but this time around i was struck by even this bird thing that she's holding up it, it reminds me this time you know maybe now that we're looking at it in these micro chunks of pazuzu <laughs> I mean, yes like, i was gonna say statue, that right <laughs> 
I, it had never really occurred to me before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the dis- we're looking now at the decisions that the art director would put up and the um, the set decorator would put up, the set dresser. Um, and, you know, these are decisions people make. Mm-hmm. They are choices that people make. And so they could have had anything. Um, it could have just been a, a baby doll or it could have looked like, oh, I don't know. It could have looked like Snow White, but instead right, right. they have this bird statue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so Reagan is sitting here and she's working on this bird, which it, it actually features a little bit more in the book. Reagan is working on it like secretly to mm. surprise Chris. Um, and these seemingly innocent fairy tales, Little Red Riding Hood, Hansel and Gretel, are watching her from up on the wall. And also what I like about this minute is that before Chris finds the board – uh, the Ouija board, we have mom and daughter sort of laughing together and having a good time. And then Chris picks up the board and she's like, oh, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. And if you watch, if you watch Linda Blair, it's almost, it almost seems like Reagan's mood changes a little. She's a little bit more subdued. She's sort of like, uh, oh, found it in this, I don't know, like right disengaged way she's no longer looking at Chris. She's bouncing that ping pong ball. And I don't know, I don't know how to read it. Maybe just like disinterest or maybe guilt yeah this is the first scene i mean no we haven't seen a whole lot of reagan so right but but in the previous scenes with reagan there is not they're not really dramatic conflict scenes right we have reagan steals the cookie as we talked about and and it's like but it's like a fun game they're having right she's she's engineering that that sort of rebellion in order to play with her mother and this is the first scene we have where there's actually like cross objectives or cross motivations that the characters have with each other, um, where they're at odds with each other. Yeah. And it's weird because like just a minute ago, no, no, not a minute ago. It was the same minute. Just, (laughs) just a second ago, she was showing off that bird she made and she was so happy and so proud. And now it's like, it's like, oh yeah, the Ouija board. And she's totally like disengaged or, or she's like trying to maybe hide something. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, now in, oh, were you going to say something? Well, just that, that, so now they are again in conflict with each other. And unlike the previous scenes where they're in their, they're in each other's spaces in a positive way where Chris is going in to, to fix Reagan's covers or they end up having a tickle fight, uh, you know, things like that. Here we're setting them up in conflict. So we have, um, we're going to have a, a dialogue scene across the Ouija board, right? And it's just exactly like, um, you know, the chessboard. One side is, is, uh, w- you know, one team on one side, the other team on the other side. And then similarly with this uh, ping pong table that we are having across, right? Like it's setting up this adversarial relationship where before they had been on the same side. Ooh, I like that. A chessboard. Max von Sydow knows about chessboards. Hmm. <laughs> but I, now in the book, we find out that this is actually Chris's Ouija board. Um, it says, and I'm going to quote this really quick, uh, almost as curious about herself as she was about others, she'd originally bought it as a possible means of exposing clues to her subconscious. It hadn't worked. She'd used it a time or two with Sharon, and once with Dennings, who had skillfully steered the plastic planchette, are you the one who's moving it, ducky? So that all the messages were obscene, and then afterward blamed it on the fucking spirits. Um, But yeah, like, this speaks a little bit more to, like, Chris's uh, curiosity Mm -hmm. about, maybe not about, like, the world beyond, but maybe the world, like, internally. Like, she had already been playing around with it, like, 
with the knowledge of like, oh, this can like help me like figure out about my subconscious or something like that. As you read in her dream sequence uh, to Chris, she there is only inside. There is nothing outside. Right. Right. That's what she fears is that is that she's right. She fears that she's correct, that uh, that there is nothing outside, nothing after. Yeah. So very interesting stuff. Um, So uh, Keenan, do you have any experiences with like Ouija boards? Um, Have you ever have you ever had one? Have you ever? Like well, used one. Yeah, this is the minute that I've been looking forward to the most. Oh my goodness! Uh, because I, I do, I've never played with a Ouija board before, except at a bar, um, <gasps> where a Ouija board was built into uh, the bar at a place called Oddfellows here um, in Las oh. Vegas. Um, and so it was, you know, I'm sure it was nice at some point, but this time it was all broken. <laughs> oh. You know, after years of drunks using it. So I actually went and got a Ouija board for this episode specifically, and I asked my oh friends my to play with it with me because uh, I'd never ever had one um and so so i would tell some of my friends hey you know i got i have this i'm doing these extras podcasts and and i got this ouija board and Keenan, Keenan, mm-hmm, yeah our listeners are screaming right now <laughs> and crossing themselves and okay, okay <laughs> just, just go on just go on, go, 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 go on. well i told i told my friend hey i'm gonna i have this ouija board and my friend nicole who's an actor um mm-hmm. uh she she said no <laughs> no Ouija board <laughs> no and she told me her story about how when her mother was a kid uh-huh. um, they had thrown the Ouija board away and then when they moved to a new house the Ouija board was there waiting <gasps> for them <laughs> and so so her mother was terrified of Ouija board she had um, she had raised Nicole up with the same thought of like, do not mess with these Ouija boards oh um, so then I had it in my house for a while I was waiting to get my friends together to play it. My father comes over one day and says, are you playing with that game? <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, you were just researching for the exorcist. And, um, you know, I've, I think I've said this before. Oh, I, the, this might have been in the bonus episode where we did it for Halloween that my father, my father uh, does not like uh, ghost movies. He right. really, really hates them. So we weren't allowed to watch Beetlejuice. It was a real chore for him to take me to the sixth sense. Right. Um, he does not like movies about ghosts. So he's like, he's terrified of this Ouija board. Oh um, so I finally convinced my friends, the LaBeouf brothers who were director friends of mine and our, oh my, our my group over there to play with the Ouija board. And they are very skeptical people. They are, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't want to say how they identify. Uh, they're not, they're not religious people. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know how they would say it. So we go, I go over there and my friend Emily, who's this very cool Irish, um, Irish lady, like one of the coolest people I know on the planet. Um, uh, we say, Hey, we're going to play with the, the Ouija board. And she says, well, I'm not going to be here. <laughs> and, she, and she's like, no, no, seriously, I will not be here with that, with that terrible thing. <laughs> we're like, Oh, Emily, what? And she had to leave and go, go away while we played with the Ouija board. <laughs> wow. And so, um, Unfortunately, I have heard about how the Ouija board makes you feel like it convinces you that it's moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know that, but I didn't tell my friends that, you know, my friends were like, I know it's bullshit, but, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't tell them. And when you, when you play with it, it really does convince you that it's moving on its own. Mm, yes. It is incredibly, mm-hmm. incredibly effective there. Um, so you have, like a lot of these types of bullshit, <laughs> like a lot of this type of bullshit there's very specific rules about how you need to use the Ouija board when yes. you buy it. So it tells you, and, and, you know, I was setting myself for this research and I was like, okay, I want, I want people there who we had a combination of people who were very afraid of it, who were very scared of it and skeptics. So it tells you to have as many people as possible, three or more, which is really key to have three or more. And it tells you to hold on to the planchette, which is the pointer with yes. one or two fingers of each hand on the planchette. 
Right. You know, so there's there's only so many if you have many people, there's only so many like twister board game configurations that you can have on there. Correct. Right. So your your hands start to kind of contort as you're touching it. And mm-hmm. sometimes you have um, maybe a full finger pressing on it. Sometimes you don't. You, there's just not enough room for it, um, which is part of the key. So they tell you, you know, to put yourself in this situation to they give you a sort of a starting ritual to sort of um, get you in that mindset. But then the key. So it's two things that you know, the emotional mindset you're putting yourself into and this physical contortion you're doing in order to control the planchette. Yes. So Keenan, actually, uh, one person put it like this. They say that uh, using the Ouija board actually accesses this thing called the idiomotor effect. Um, and it also um, accesses this part of our brains that, uh, I don't know, like like sort of keeps us from biting off our own fingers, even though we can, right? <laughs> like, when you think about it, like, like we are capable, we are capable of doing these things. I guess um, so. But, but we Maybe don't. Maybe I didn't want to think about that. No. <laughs> Or maybe, or like maybe, um, oh, this is a good place to talk about. Have you ever heard of the high place effect? No. Okay. So um, I think I think it's a, a YouTube channel called Vsauce, uh, but I might be wrong. But like I learned about the high place effect when um, this YouTube video was talking about things that are scary versus things that are creepy, things that give you the creeps. Um, and it's something that like your brain recognizes as a threat but doesn't know how to like deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it does this, this weird, like kind of like um, bending over backwards in order to keep you safe, even though there's no actual threat. So imagine you are like standing, uh, you know, at the top of a cliff and you're looking down and suddenly you like get this urge to jump. Um, and like, I remember, I remember like having this feeling like, like, and, and feeling really, really bad about it and feeling like, oh, there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I come to find like, this is a completely normal thing. This is like, because my brain is doing this weird thing where like, you're at the top of a very, very high building or you're at the top of a very like high cliff. That's dangerous, right? Right. But you know that you're not going to jump, but your brain like is trying to protect you. And so it's like, hey, don't jump. And the other part of your brain is like, but I wasn't going to jump. <laughs> and then and then the first part of your brain is like, then why am I on high alert? Why, why are all the chemicals releasing right now? And so then the logical part of your brain is like, well, then it must mean that I did want to jump. Even though you didn't, it's just your brain is like being tricked. Um, right. I've heard this as the call of the void. Oh, which I think comes from like the French, uh, <laughs> what, they, what they call that. So yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. And it, it's so strange how, um, yeah, you really think you're alone in, in thinking that, that you're like, don't jump. I've heard it uh, have like evolutionarily that it might be this thing that helps us, uh, you know, because we, we, we temporarily imagine ourselves doing something stupid. Right. And then our body's like, like, no, don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't turn your, and, and, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people, the more I've, I've talked about this, like in class, the, the, the high, the high place version is very common. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I've mentioned in class, like, you know, Hey, Hey, don't drop the baby. <laughs> and you sort of imagine yes. dropping the baby. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So when I've said that to people, they they like laugh. I'm like, what? I, I, am I the only one? Are you saying? Then like, no, no. We've just never had anyone admit to that before. <laughs> yeah. It's it's such a weird, you know, because like societally, it's like you don't want to think of. But yeah, no. New mothers are plagued with with these these weird intrusive thoughts because it's the exact thing that you don't want to happen. Right. So your brain thinks about it a lot. Right. right? It's mm-hmm. like listeners, I'm going to do this to you right now. Don't think of the color blue <laughs> right mm-hmm. and it, like that it we can't avoid it like because our brain can't 
tell the difference between like, or the part of our brain that this is like working with mm-hmm. can't tell the difference between like, like do and don't, right? Like it thinks in pictures, right? Like I can right. think of smoking, but I can't think of not smoking, right? Because, <laughs> right. When you say not, yeah, exactly. Right. Like what is a not? I can draw a picture of a cigarette, but I can't draw a picture of a don't, right? <laughs> um, and so our brain, like, it, it, like it's that part of the brain that like keeps us from like, you know, just randomly running off of cliffs, right. you know, um, it like keeps us safe, but it also like, it's, I guess like a byproduct or this runoff is that like, why am I having all these, why am I envisioning all of these, these horrible things? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I, I don't know if that's the same thing as the idiomotor effect, or I don't know if like the Ouija board is just like this, this, uh, thing that we invented because folks, we did, we did, we invented this, this is a game. Um, <laughs> But if it's this thing that we invented that just kind of like accidentally uh, taps into that. Um, I think it's both of those things at once. So the idiomotor devices, I understand it with, uh, I didn't know the term for it, but but when you're, when you're, hold your fingers out right now in two, like mm-hmm. just you know, two fingers from each hand as if you're touching a planchette for a Ouija board. Right. And just look at your fingers and they are moving. Yeah. In a way that you don't notice. Right. Yeah. So now imagine there are. 12 more fingers or 10 more fingers and maybe, Oh, there's not enough room. So now you only have one finger that each of you can hold on to and they're moving in crazy ways. And so you have all these different people um, involuntarily moving this planchette. So even, even if you don't have someone trying to be a smart ass and moving it, you know, to spell Which out is inevitable, name. folks. <laughs> Blatty wrote it into the book. Right, right, right. But it does, it does, um, it does feel, it really does feel, even I as a skeptic knowing what to expect going into it, it mm-hmm. totally feels like it's moving on its own. Yeah. And it's like, I'm, oh man, I, Keenan, I'm doing it now. I'm trying not to move my hands. You can. And like the, the harder <laughs> I try, the more they move. Right? right. There must be something that surgeons and electricians and yogis do to calm that. But it, I think it's pretty inherent in everybody, just these mm. movements in our hands. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that is so fascinating. And see folks, yeah, that, like the real mystery, the real like fascinating stuff to me is like the brain, right? I was talking to uh, somebody at school because they were, they were asking me about the show. They were asking me, it's like, have you ever like, like, what do you believe in exorcisms? Do you believe, you know? And I, I kind of like laid out my whole belief system is like, I, I really honestly think the power of the brain and the depth and the kind of like the darkness and the mystery of just like what's between our own years mm-hmm. is way more like, that's the final frontier, right? You don't have to look out, you know, just look like, like the stuff that's, you know, like behind our eyes is yeah. scary. We barely understand why we sleep, let alone why we dream. Yeah. <laughs> and then let alone why our dreams are, are so disturbing to us when they're our own minds. There's so much. There's so, so, so much stuff that we still haven't figured out about the brain that like I'm I, I'm always going to go there before I go to like supernatural stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to be like, I like this happened because, you know, of something, even even ghosts. Like, I think we talked about it on the um uh, uh, on the Halloween episode. Like uh, I can I can believe that people saw something but i i would i would be more inclined to say that it's like because of like some unknown gizmo in our heads that's Mm -hmm. projecting something or something like that right like some kind of communication heretofore um you know undiscovered that we're able to like we're gonna see it later folks we're gonna see that karis is so skeptical of this demon that he's ready to talk about telekinesis he's ready to talk about telepathy he's ready to talk about it's like oh well reagan knew about my mother because she read my mind it's like you're talking like 
it's like I'm a man of science and this demon isn't real, but telekinesis mm-hmm. there, you know, it's like, and it sounds ridiculous, but like, think about it from, you know, the standpoint of like, the brain is just so mysterious even now. Right. Um, and I think, I think that is, is where all the mystery lies in the Ouija board, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, like we don't, or, or maybe fortunately, I guess. Um, but, uh, but, you know, just to kind of like, um, you know, uh, 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 assuage any fears that you might have about this. Yeah. About we, this. So we were putting our Ouija board together in my friend, the LaBeouf brothers house and our, our buddy, Hannah is, she said she wasn't a believer, but she was like, let's just be careful. <laughs> Let me say a little thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, okay, this is, she made it a lot more fun, you know, having someone who, who at least was open to the idea, but she wanted to do a salt circle of protection. Oh, okay. I was like, can I pour a circle of salt? And like, you want to pour a circle of salt into our carpet in the living room? Uh, no, <laughs> you are not allowed to do that. <laughs> I love that. Oh, but yeah, I mean like, Hey, you know what? Um, so, Oh, Oh God, there's, there's so much that, that, that you talked about earlier. I, I still want to get back to, okay. So Keenan, you're talking about like you, you moved, uh, or no, you said your friend moved, uh, <laughs> her mother. See, these are just legends, you know, her mother oh, yeah. had moved. <laughs> And the Ouija board like seemed to follow her. Right. Um, um, that actually reminds me, uh, this is an anecdotal story, but I, I remember hearing that, um, what was it? I, I think uh, this guy's girlfriend was reading The Exorcist and she got so scared of it that she threw it in the river. And so what he did was he went out and he bought another copy and he ran it under the sink. <laughs> and then he put it back in her room. <laughs> I'm, that's, just, that's very funny. I'm glad I'm not dating that person. But that's yes, no, funny. that is that is that is something a William Friedkin would definitely. <laughs> do. That is, uh, yeah. Um, it's 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 a funny little anecdote, but I would never like. I th- I think my brain would break right. uh, if that if that ever happened to me. But um, so speaking to that, Keenan, I actually have a Ouija board, oh. um, and it's very. I can't tell you where it came from. Uh, we actually found it in that garage that I was talking about earlier, uh, minus the planchette. Um, I think this belonged to my mom at one point, um, but I think I remember asking her and she doesn't remember either. Um, <laughs> but it is now in my office uh, at school. Oh, cool. Minus the planchette. And my reasoning for that was, uh, and again, you were talking about like circle assault and a prayer and, you know, <laughs> just to be safe, just hedging our bets and mm-hmm. everything like that. It's like, I kind of thought it's like, well. I don't want it in the house. I don't want it in the family house. I don't want it in my house, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to throw it away. I want to know where it is. So <laughs> in case it comes back. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like, you know, it's like, what, what do they say? The devil, you know, right. <laughs> um, so I, I, I know where it is at all times. It's, you know, it's on my bookshelf in this kind of like uh, decorative display. I have like all my horror books. I have Dracula and right next to Dracula. I do this, you know, th- like my kids, like really like my room. They say I have the coolest room mm-hmm. in, in the school. Right. Cause I have, I don't just have a bookshelf. I have like, so Dracula is in, you know, prominent place and like, uh, like right next to Dracula is like a little bottle of holy water and some garlic. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, next to like a Christmas Carol, there's a little top hat and, and I have like a bunch of like Stephen King books. And then I have like my first edition of the exorcist and like behind that sort of like standing up at the back of the, the shelf is this Ouija board. Right. Um, and that's like my little like horror section. Um, and uh, my, my students will come and they'll be like, oh, it's like, oh, is that a real Ouija board? And, <laughs> and depending on my mood, I'll be like, uh, 
yes, that's a, you know, it's a real Parker Brothers Ouija board. Um, it has no significant power to it or anything like that. It's just a, you know, just a, a board. Or I'll be like, I don't know, something like that. Um, <laughs> and there's no way to ask the Ouija board because you've lost the plane shit. Because I've lost the plane. And that that just makes this story so much more like romantic you know like not romantic in that way but like 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 ooh, where did the planchette go you know um but yeah i i don't know uh, but yeah i have that board and it's uh just sitting there in my office um i will say uh maybe like a couple months ago um our our school was was undergoing it was being renovated um so we're getting like remodeling we're getting like new walls and we're painting and recarpeting and everything like that so we had to take all of our stuff out right and we had to pack it in boxes and and i had to bring like all my stuff home so that you know the 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 workers could work right and so i have like all of this stuff like in the living room now at this time i had a roommate she is not our roommate anymore Mm -hmm. um and she and i didn't really get along um but come to find out uh she was very uh religious Mm. so i'm not thinking of this i just bring home like my boxes of stuff all my stephen king books and my you know like my little figurines and and lord of the rings you know maps and whatnot and i'll just like on the top of the box like just kind of sticking out is a ouija board um and then i get a call from our landlord and apparently this roommate had called our landlord saying that i was um a witch and (laughs) i was trying to curse her uh, in an effort to get her to move out. Um, and then Keenan, she moved out. So I pose the question to you. It was a real Ouija board. Maybe it was, right? A real Parker Brothers Ouija board. Actually, I don't I don't remember if it's Parker Brothers or Hasbro. Hasbro. Or, yeah, yeah. Well, it's Hasbro now, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, was, uh, speaking to that, actually, let's... Um, I, I actually did a little research on the Ouija board um, because uh, leave it to me. I can't leave uh, things mysterious and cool. I have to, <laughs> I have to make them boring. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it actually wasn't the first uh, spirit communication device. Um, and it's, but it's definitely like the most packaged and capitalized. Um, so there was this thing uh, and listeners might know about this called the spiritualist movement that was going on in the 19th century, sort of as a result of how uh, contemporary religions like our Abrahamic religions that we were talking about, Keenan, um, mm-hmm. they they sort of treated death uh, very dismissively, like, oh, it's just another part of the journey. Don't be sad. Don't right. grieve. Don't have these normal human emotions of missing you know, a person. They're in a better place. So don't worry about it. Right. right. Um, and people sort of felt like their grief was being like brushed off and not acknowledged, not uh, validated. Um, so they became like obsessed as a culture with death and spirits and, uh, the great beyond and, and what's out there and can we communicate with our loved ones? And around this time, we, we just became obsessed with death and you can see it a lot in like Victorian art and poems and Gothic literature. And even like, even in Dracula, there is a scene where Lucy and Mina, uh, two characters in the book, they're, they're having a picnic in a graveyard and that wasn't weird back then. So that wasn't like Bram Stoker writing it and being like, look at these two weird girls. That was like, look at these girls at the park. 
right? And you know, you're in you're in LA, and, and mm-hmm. of course, at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, people go and have parties there all the time. Yeah, yeah. And you can go see movie screenings there. I saw Clue at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. <laughs> yes, and like, and and I've seen like I'm part of a Facebook group that kind of like wants to like do sort of like this revival of like Victorian like death culture where they want to it's like let's have a picnic out of the cemetery, right? And I see that every time I get the invite, I'm like, uh, but no. <laughs> I think with the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, it is it has become and there's a couple of them around town hmm. um, that it has become just sort of a park and, and people, I think that the people who in turn their, um, their family members, there kind of understand that it's open that people will want to come and, and see them, you know, and hmm. look at Estelle Getty's grave, <laughs> which I've seen there. And, um, you know, let alone people make pilgrimages to Michael Jackson's grave or Walt Disney's grave. Right. So at least, okay. So the people who are, who are like, uh, you know, putting their their loved ones to rest in this in these places they they know beforehand that it's like hey this is this is a you know at least nowadays right because <laughs> you, you can go there and there's always tourists and and people hanging out and yeah they're they're gonna do a screening of clue and a bunch of drag queens are gonna be dressed up as mrs white and uh, and and miss peacock and yvette and that, that they're gonna be dancing and singing you know right next to your uh, your semi-famous grandmother's grave flames on the side of my face. <laughs> Breathless breaths. Oh my god! <sighs> Is there a clue in it? I got. I got to check. Oh well, yeah, that could be us. Um, and, and so around this time, there arose all these like pseudo scientific methods of communicating with the spirit realm. Um, and people would go to parties and be like, "Hey, let's raise a spirit." In the same way that we'd be like, "Hey, let's tell a ghost story," right? Mm-hmm. And it was sort of tongue in cheek. You know, you kind of knew it was all fake, but you were like, "Oh, maybe there's something bigger here." And of course, you get people who want to make money off of this, right? And suddenly, you have all of these like mediums and psychics and necromancers conjuring spirits and and conning people out of their money with like these cheap parlor tricks and that's where this comes from is like parlor tricks like going back to those parties it was a game it was a popular pastime like charles dickens uh was fascinated by ghosts when he was younger and then he sort of became like a skeptic later um uh, as did a lot of people because there were all these like flim flam men uh who would try to swindle you and it makes Mm -hmm. me think of like um uh, the wizard from the Wizard of Oz from from the movie, like Professor Marvel. Oh, right, his his Kansas counterpart, right? His exactly. Kansas counterpart, right. right? And and you know, and he's got his little cart, and he's wearing his little you know culturally appropriated turban, <laughs> right? And that like that character right there, that is straight out of the spiritualist era, um, you know. And by then, like by the making of the the Wizard of Oz movie, they were making fun of that. They were making a joke about it because they knew like there were like these phonies you know, just like walking around. Right. Right. And so many of them are like, like with the turban, right. They're trying to pretend that they're connected to some exotic culture or some ancient tradition. And that it's just a coincidence that it's all come over to America at the time it becomes economically viable. Right. Right. And it's, and it's easier to believe when it's like from the kingdom of far away. Right. right. You know, it's like, Ooh, he's wearing a turban. He knows something we don't um, <laughs> <laughs> like the, the appointment in Samara, you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I yeah. know that story. Oh yeah. Right. Everybody knows about that story. Um, but yeah, so around this time, um, uh, some gentlemen, Elijah J. Bond and Charles Kennard, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, they teamed up with this coffin maker named E.C. Reich, uh, and they basically sort of like 
picked and chose from a bunch of different quote unquote talking boards and spiritual communication devices, which had been around already. And they sort of just like streamlined it. They mashed it all together. They boiled it out all down into what we know as the Ouija board. And that be, that was the brand name was Ouija um, or Ouija or whatever. And if, if you don't think branding and profit was a part of this thing, the coffin maker sold it in his store, like in the lobby. So <laughs> right after you're done purchasing a coffin for you know, your loved one, you pass by the little checkout table, right? And it's like, did you find everything you needed? And it's like this spooky version of Tic Tacs or gum, right? It's just like right there. Right. At this point, why not buy it? Right? Yeah, it's, like, we're already, it's like, I'm already we're here. paid $100, right? Yeah. We'll pay another 50 cents for this. We do Sure. I'll do that. Um, and another reason these things sold so well was, like I said, remember, this was a time that was like rife with all of these like shoddy spiritualists and mediums and just a slew of con men and con women looking to prey upon people who are grieving, people who wanted to have some like communication or closure with their loved ones. Well, with the Ouija board, you could do that yourself. You didn't need a medium. And it was like the DIY spiritualism and capitalist America was here for it, right? Like that was, that was the whole idea is that now you can, now you can bring the spirits home and, and it didn't sound sinister. Like I just, like I just said, <laughs> um, but yeah, and nobody knows where the name Ouija comes from. Um, Kennard says it came from the board itself, right? Cause of course he would say that, right? <laughs> of course. Um, and he tries to claim that it's like ancient Egyptian for good luck. It is not. <laughs> so right there, right. That should have tipped some people off. Uh, but you know, again, like, People want to believe stuff, right? Right. Um, so then after that, there's like this hostile takeover and the company changes hands and goes to William and Isaac Fold. And they changed the company name to the Ouija Novelty Company. And their explanation of the name is that it combines the words yes from both French and German. So you have right. the French oui and you have the German ja. So like oui ja. Right. Uh, and I think actually like people might have been uh, pronouncing it that way. Instead of Ouija, it was like oui ja, the oui ja board. Right. Um, Honestly, this is just as plausible. Um, and yeah, actually, some people actually called it the yes, yes board. Right. right? But why do we say we G? I don't, I couldn't find any explanation of that. Why in America we changed the ya to G? I have no idea. I mean, I like, like <laughs> language is such a fascinating thing. Like as it, as it gets like passed from one culture to another mm -hmm. and we just kind of like, like, like bend it and twist it and, and mold it into like something that's comfortable for us to say. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember like when we were in high school studying Japanese at different high schools and oh, yeah. that was a time when we were really, everyone who took Japanese in the, in the nineties was really trying to make karaoke a thing. You know, right. Than, Everyone's like, well, say, actually it's karaoke. It's, it's, it's not, it's not karaoke. It's empty right? orchestra. Karaoke. Yeah, <laughs> okay, right? oh, oh, karaoke. Oh, excuse me. I believe you mean karaoke, but that's just never going to happen. We, we've lost that fight. Yes. Well, I mean, cause, <laughs> Because by by that time, right, like karaoke has become like a, a word in and of itself, right? right. It come, you know, karaoke. It's it's the it's the westernized version, right? Same thing with karate. Everyone's going to say karate. Nobody's going to say karate, right? Um, you know, it, like it, it's it's just it's done. We lost. It's done. Yeah. Right? Um, I think with anime and manga, I think oh, that yeah. that's coming back though. I think I think because they're they're close enough that you can generally understand what people are saying as opposed right, to right. having to explain what karate is. But you know, anime, and you know, oh, he, he, this is a weeb who's pronouncing it anime. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> You're angering all of our weeb listeners. Uh, I'm counting us amongst that, I suppose. That's true. That's <laughs> we true. We studied yes. Japanese in yes. the 90s yes. before some of you were born. Yes. Before it was before. <laughs> hey, guys, before anime was cool, um, <laughs> we were doing it and we were getting bullied. Um, yes. 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 Uh, but no, I teach Japanese now. And uh, <laughs> and this is but no. And this is legit uh, like a. Uh, 
a thing I have to talk to my my students about. It's like it's like yes, we say we say these words, we say like karate and karaoke and things like that, and like. On on the other side of the pond, um, you know they they say uh, uh, Western words um, mm-hmm. in, in a completely uh, different way, and that's just how they say them. And right. you know when you when you have a language uh, and and you interact with other languages, uh, you know some of those words are going to get they're going to change hands, just like much like the Ouija board changed hands, um, and it, like they're going to become their own thing. Wow, that sounded like such a downer to end on. Anyway. No. <laughs> No, I know exactly what you mean. Anyways, we we G is what we, we say. If, if we if if we went around calling it a we uh board, we yeah, would, no one would know what we were talking about. Yeah, nobody. They would yeah. think that we were being completely incorrect. Yeah, right, or pretentious at the very least. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, it was like the yes yes board, right? What if we just did that? We just called it yes yes board, right? <laughs> or the yes and board since we're uh, theater <laughs> oh, nerds, right? right? It's like ooh, um, but yeah, so there's a little bit more internal strife in this company uh, about just who owns the company itself, uh, resulting in a hilarious court case in which uh, some smart alecky journalists, uh, they pipe up and they say, well, why don't you just ask the board who owns the company? <laughs> um, to which uh, uh, Mr. Fold, he famously responds, I'm not a spiritualist, I'm a Presbyterian. Um <laughs> He later allowed that perhaps, yes, he did use the Ouija board uh, once, and that was to ask it a question. Uh, the question was whether or not they should build a bigger Ouija board factory. And Keenan, guess what the yes, yes board said? Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> yes, you should. Um, now, along with the company, the brand expanded to additional mer- merchandise. Uh, you could get Ouija jewelry uh, and even some Ouija oil for your rheumatism. Right. I don't think we have that around now anymore. Um, I mean, I can see like Ouija T-shirts at Hot Topic. Right. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So and then another thing about this board, like Ouija board sales, like they spiked during World War One when relatives were trying to get in touch with, uh, you know, with their loved ones, like, you know, fallen soldiers and things like that. Um, And this is a trend that we see. It's basically an industrialized capitalized version of those con men and con women those mediums from the days before um only now it's like it's very like you know to the tune of like buy and sell and and Mm -hmm, stuff like that mm -hmm. um but yeah no it's it's it was a it was like that same thing it's like tragic events would kind of like spike the sales of these things because people want to you know have that closure have that uh you know those those last moments those conversations with uh with loved ones right um but yeah so the ouija board uh, has changed hands from, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Mr. Fold to Parker Brothers to General Mills to Tonka to finally Hasbro, which is, you know, where you can get it today. Um, and I actually don't know where mine is from. I know I remember seeing like uh, the, the brand name on the board, um, but I'll have to go and, and check. I, I thought mine said Parker Brothers. I don't mine know. Mine is certainly a Hasbro. Really? Okay. Yes, because mm-hmm. when we had friends who were too scared, I said, it's it's from Hasbro, made in China. <laughs> do, do not be afraid. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Right. <laughs> it's so, like, it, it doesn't look like anything. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, like, you would expect something right. so, so, like, popularly sinister to be like, I don't know, black and white or it's just brown. It just, it's just, and it's not, you know, it's not a board as we would know it anymore. It's, it's like cardboard. It's not on wood or anything. Right. Right. It's like, like plywood or something like that. So, you know, that's a question I had about the exorcist is like, mm. what did people think about it in the seventies? Was it this scary thing or was it this positive thing? I, I couldn't quite find it. That actually, okay. So that's a question that I have, um, in the same way that like Stephen King kind of like 
brought the idea that clowns are scary mm-hmm. to, you know, to the forefront of our minds. It's like, oh, you know, n- like now that I think about it, clowns are scary, right? <laughs> Keenan, do you think like, did this movie or in this book, like make Ouija boards like th- that thing? Like before that, because in the story, Chris is using it like people back then used it. It's like, oh, you know, like, I don't believe in this, but this is like a, you know, to tap into my unconscious mind. And, you know. Yeah, it's the earliest I could find. So, so I guess, I mean, unless we find other evidence, that was my sort of guess is that it was not seen as something that would accidentally conjure demons the way that now we think of it that way. Right. So I think, I, I think, and, and again, folks write in if, if you, if you know any different, but I think we can safely say that like this story was the thing that spurred the idea. It's like, Hey, this is a gateway into like a demonic forces. Yeah. 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 I mean, if if, all the research that you had just now is about conjuring positive spirits, uh, ghosts, people you knew personally, and this would, you know, um, it's interesting to think, like I was really excited to research this minute. And I think that even knowing the film, I had misremembered that the Ouija board is what conjures the demon. But what we're actually being told here, if we believe that there is a demon, the demon is playing with the Ouija board. That's what that's what Reagan says. So it's not that Reagan has accidentally even conjured the demon. She's not playing. And then Captain Howdy comes from the other side. Captain Howdy's already there playing with her as the second person. Correct. Yes. So this isn't a case of, again, to go back to like Jumanji, that Reagan accidentally, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh no, right? Oh, and you no. like thunder crashes up ahead and, or, right. or, you know, up above and you hear like, you know, like the wailing of voices as something is uncovered. Like it, it just like, oh, like if, if the Ouija board had not been there, uh, the demon would be using something else. The demon has already arrived, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yes, the demon doesn't use the Ouija board to do anything i guess except to spell answers to reagan so mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. even when we remember the exorcist as oh there's the one with the ouija board and that's what brings the demon it's not it's absolutely not true in the text of it but you know the collective the collective memory of it is that oh ouija boards brings captain howdy right right and, and in the same way that like we could we could argue whether or not father Marin unearthing uh the right, statue and everything right. like that like we could say that that brought him about or we could say that this is just another like this is him uh showing his presence mm-hmm. right yeah so yeah really really interesting stuff now to to speak to that to speak to how people used it back then and how it's sort of perceived now right and i got to say actually before we jump into this i got to say like like the reactions of your friends and your relatives is right on point with like anybody that I talk to about the Ouija board. It is, they look at it as like something so like they just nope out of there so hard and so (laughs) fast. Like I have never seen anybody like, like complete skeptics, complete like, uh, um, you know, uh, non-believers in anything supernatural. You show them a Ouija board and they're like, nope. And they're they're like, (laughs) it like, like it's a hot iron or something like that. right? Right. And which kind of makes me think, it's like, oh, I wonder if they know something I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah. Uh, Now, to that point, there are some folks, folks, uh, uh, primarily uh, occultists who have this idea that, yes, you can communicate with something using the Ouija board, but it's not what you think. And I think this is what Blatty is borrowing from here and Friedkin, of course, as well, is the idea that there are 
um, spirits, uh, mischievous elementals like uh, the fae, fairies and, and things like that, and demons that sort of disguise themselves as the spirits of the dead. Uh, they, you know, they might pose as your great aunt Harriet, for example, um, in order to get to you, much like a, a wolf would disguise itself as your grandmother, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that is the idea that Blatty is glomming on onto here, but he he might be this book, this story might be like the first. Um, thing that kind of like brings the Ouija board uh, to the forefront as this dangerous thing. Now, it is in the story of the real life event. Um, Roland Doe or Robbie Doe was specifically using the Ouija board that he got from his mm-hmm. great aunt or his, his aunt uh, Harriet, who who later died, and he's trying to communicate with her. Um, and that's how like, uh, you know, the demon comes into his story is right. through uh, the Ouija board. So Blatty got it from that. But I think just like this... Uh, event right whether we whether we look at the story of uh, a robbie doe or we look at uh, the book exorcist or the movie exorcist i think this is this is the the thing that says hey uh, uh ouija boards are, are not to be you know messed around with that's what i've seen too yes yeah um and so we come to find that reagan has already been playing with this thing uh and she's been playing with it alone which is not traditionally how you're supposed to do it um but not exactly alone she's been playing with captain howdy and by the way, what do we make of this name? Um, this is the first time we hear it. This is in, in this movie. This is the first time we hear Captain Howdy. Um, and it's so synonymous with the exorcist. Like I'm trying to get a sense of it before the exorcist. Captain Howdy. <laughs> I Captain Howdy is my favorite character. I know you said <laughs> that, that uh, Damien is your favorite character. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It, you know, I, I do say Howdy in my personal life to the point where people um, people will make a point to say Howdy back to me. I sort of trained myself when I was a kid. Um, I was like, you know, I, I went to Beatty elementary school in Las Vegas and we were the buckaroos and I was from Hawaii and I was trying to think, I was like, well, now I live in the old West and I'm going to say howdy. And I sort of developed a little bit of a drawl a little bit. Um, so I, I, I like howdy. I like, it just sounds like such a friendly name. Um, and I don't know. I, I, um, I suppose like, like you're saying with, with Pennywise, the dancing clown, right? Right. Does that sound what is it? It's so hard to uncouple uh, from our our perceptions of that now, knowing what that is. Right. That's the trouble. It's like you hear Pennywise, you hear Dracula, you hear right. Captain Howdy, and immediately it's it's kind of like already spoiled for us. It's right. like, oh, that's a scary thing. That's a bad thing. But I think something about just the just the phonetics of of the phrase Captain Howdy will mm. still stay happy in a way mm. that Pennywise the dancing clown might not. Yeah. Yeah. How cuz Captain Howdy. Right. Cuz like Howdy Howdy is a greeting. It's like right. hey, hello, right? And it's and it's a friendly it's a, like a really friendly greeting, right? Really friendly, and, uh, informal, very American. <laughs> and then we have Captain, right? Cap like like you think of like all the superheroes, you know, mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. from your child is like Captain this, Captain that, right? Captain Crunch, right? <laughs> Right. It's you know, Captain Crouch isn't going to eat your face and, and no. murder your mother. No. no. And so we get this like it's I'm I'm realizing it now. We got a we got like a child's like two favorite things. We have a pirate and a cowboy. <laughs> right. He just sounds so friendly. And then um, I, you know, I associate Captain Howdy with the faces that we're going to see yes. coming up that we've, we've alluded to. And I think people who know The Exorcist know those. Um, you already um, know what we're talking about. Yeah, those faces that, that pop up. That's Captain Howdy to me, which is different from when I see Pazuzu. And what, what do you yes. think? Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm so, okay. We're we're getting into this now. I thought we were going to do this. <laughs> oh, like, maybe we should save it then. But. Oh, no, no. But like, no. Um, yes, I do have a lot to say about like 
Keenan, there's a lot of faces, a lot of guises mm-hmm. that our demon uses. And if we're, we're to assume that it's all the same demon, which mm-hmm. I think like whether we call him Pazuzu or not, this is like the Captain Howdy face. And like we both know what we're talking about when we talk about that. The, the Eileen Dietz's, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the white uh, makeup face and then Pazuzu's statue face and then Reagan's face like this, this demon, this one demon has a lot of faces. Um, and I remember thinking, it's like, okay, the, the white one, the Eileen Dietz one, that's, that's actually Captain Howdy. That's actually right, the that's demon. That's not Pazuzu. Right? <laughs> that's yeah. something else, right? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I, I, I think it is. You think it is Pazuzu? No, no, no. no. Uh, <laughs> okay. We're, oh man, what's in a name? Um, but no, I think, I, I think there's one demon mm-hmm. and I think, I think that face is the demon without all of the disguise. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. So like Reagan he's he's in reagan he's behind the face of reagan mm-hmm. um the, the pazuzu statue he's like he like that's a representation of him but like that face that we see that's like like if you you know if you drag him out into the light that's what he looks like <laughs> but yeah anyways captain captain howdy as as he has introduced himself to reagan has mm-hmm, mm-hmm. given himself this name that is just so pleasant <laughs> so nice i really like it um and yeah it, like it, I mean, I guess I know that it's supposed to, it's, you know, like a character from a children's book or, mm-hmm. or a TV show, like, right. like Mr. Rogers would have a Captain Howdy hand puppet, right. right? Like in his little world of like all the, all the characters. The land of make-believe. Yeah. Yeah. The land of make-believe, right? Captain Howdy would totally fit in there, right? <sighs> Actually. Oh my God, Ken, I would love a Captain Howdy hand puppet. <sighs> Like with, with that face, <laughs> with that face, Keenan, and that little, a little pirate hat, like on top of it. <laughs> Well, what's the matter there, Captain Howdy? <laughs> Is there anything you want to talk about? Sometimes we all get sad out in the high seas. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Rogers, it's just been really rough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got an upset stomach. <laughs> it's, it's normal every once in a while for any of us to have an upset stomach, Captain Howdy. <laughs> Oh right, but the way that Mr. Rogers did work, right? He was talking about children's fears, you know, through this these imaginary um these imaginary beings, right? So yes. so he when he goes in the land of make believe, he's actually not Mr. Rogers there. He's uh, Daniel the striped tiger, you know. Right. Oh, he's oh, okay. So he's the that's him. That's him. Oh, yeah, he's all the puppets. Oh, no, no, no. I know he's all the puppets, but mm-hmm. like like are we supposed to understand that Daniel specifically is like the personification of him in the land of make-believe? Uh, well, not necessarily because he, he's okay. sad a lot. But yeah, yeah. but Mr. Rogers does not go into the land of make-believe. Right, 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 right. Right, but, but it is um, – but but I think the reason that Chris can can be like, oh, okay, you have a Cap and Howdy friend. That's fine because that is something that kids do. They personify their worries in some other character. This is fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, 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 my God. Um we can't pass this up you're talking about talking about scary faces people talking mm-hmm. about talking about terrifying um uh childhood scarring uh images right and let us not pass up mr rogers um because there there is a hand puppet in there that that scared the crap out of me when i was oh. little. <clears throat> um keenan uh, do you have do you have access to google right now uh sure <laughs> google elaine fairchild oh do I want to see this? This is I've done this before and had people look up Captain Howdy. Yeah, and, uh, and this is worse them. than Captain Howdy. Oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, yes. Uh huh. Yeah, that was. Oh my god. And also voiced by Mr. Rogers, but <sighs> Jesus. 
And I think she's like a magical lady. Like, I think she does like magic. Yeah, I think there's a like reason a I've forgotten her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I remember going back to my old, like, you know, home that I was growing up in. I, rem- I specifically remember having a dream about her. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, okay. Anyway, let, let's go back to something less scary. Like <laughs> like the exorcist. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so no, 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 you're absolutely right. Um, and then again, like it also sounds like howdy doody. Right. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, had already come out. Uh, it, it had come and gone by this time. So I'm sure like readers and viewers are probably like familiar with it. So, so yeah, it's something it's old innocuous. fashioned. So it's not something of the seventies that Reagan would think was cool or something, right? It's not a right. cool name, Captain Howdy. No, no. Um, I feel like if this came out today, if this story came out today, they wouldn't be able to resist like winking at the camera. Like, oh, his name is Lucius mm-hmm. or it's Mr. Mistopheles or he's, <laughs> you know, uh, Beazle. He's my Beelzebuddy. Right. right. Yes. Or, or some like anagram, like like we'd have a whole scene where like Chris sees it in the mirror or some or, or like Karis is like, oh, my God. If you take the letters of Zazapu. <laughs> How did I never see this until How now? How did I never see this? <laughs> There's two U's, two Z's, and it's like, oh, it's like, I've been blind. <laughs> Demi why? Demi no. You know, see, no, Zazapu. She's there. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, okay. But no. Again. I like this choice, though. Here's something new. Here's something that this movie, this book adds. Captain Howdy is scary because it's new. It doesn't fit the like the devilish archetype, right? There's no red. There's no devil horns. There's no uh, church organ. There's no satanic anagram. That's Hollywood. That's all Hollywood stuff. Captain Howdy is real. And his theme is tubular bells, mm-hmm. right? And that's I, I think that's what grabbed people in the theaters. So Chris reaches out to the planchette and it moves all by itself to point to no on the board in what might be our very first like really supernatural occurrence we had some noises we had an open window before we had some uh, pareidolia and some polymorphia but like am i wrong in thinking this is like the first real spooky happening this is the one that we can't ignore because we see it with our own eyes right right yeah. so so it's not something that we could that we can later go, oh, maybe I'm wrong. And maybe, you know, that, that you could disprove, right? right? There's there's no way to explain this. It's not going to be like Carl is under there with a magnet or something right. like that. It's right before our eyes. And we get this insert shot of the board. And in the cut, we it's very quick and it's yeah. very jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, not just because what's happening, but we, it's also what we call a line cross in, in the movies. So oh, okay. in the previous shot, Chris is on the left and Reagan is on the right. Right. So essentially, we're over um, Chris's right shoulder and Reagan's left shoulder. For the insert, we switch their positions. The camera has jumped the line, it's called, where we're on the opposite end. So Reagan is on the left and Chris is on the right. Oh. So so that that's something that helps contribute to this jarring of us going, whoa, 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 whoa. Not just the action, but also that where our eyes are naturally going between left and right, between Chris and Reagan, it's now switched. And then just as fast we get out of that shot and we're back to um, the previous setting where uh, Chris is on the left and Reagan's on the right. Oh, wow. I didn't even... Like, like that, if that's one of those things that like affected me and I didn't even like notice like that. Yeah. It's a real jar. It's jarring. It's, it's a discontinuous as opposed to what they try to do normally in narrative cinemas for things to be continuous of invisible filmmaking. This is a very jarring, visible filmmaking choice. Interesting. 
So Keenan, I was I was all ready to like make a joke about how Chris completely ignores this obviously like supernatural occurrence. <laughs> um, you can clearly see neither of them is touching the planchette; it moves on its own. But then I thought back on you know the scenes with Father Marin and and how we talked about like what we're seeing is maybe different from what the characters are seeing. Um, that really is the only explanation that I can think of like for this part, like that Chris is not because she didn't like like the thing moves and she's like she's not like oh my god like she's like oh you really don't want me to play huh yeah i think that she's so she's so in in this world where she's concerned about whether her daughter is um you know friends with her right it's it's been this this conflicting scene the scene of conflict for the first time yeah. of we're not on the same page we, we you want to do something differently right now than i want to do you don't want to hang out with me and so she's just looking at her daughter and, and not really paying attention to mm. <laughs> to the demon interesting huh well, guys, I think, I think that's our minute. Um, Keenan, do we do we have anything else that we want to add to this spooky minute? The real turning point. No, I think we got it. All right. So, Keenan, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. All right. Until next time, folks. The, the power, power of Captain, Captain America, America compels, compels you. you. I mean, I mean, Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch.